Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host connects with the writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The title of the book is The Experimental Baking Book. And joining me from Brenham, Texas, in the United States, my author, Justin Wyand. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Most appreciated. I appreciate the offer of being on your uh, radio show. This is an important book, at least from your standpoint. As an author, it's important that you get your message out. What is your background that prepared you to to uh, title a book such as this, The Exper- Experimental Baking Book? What is it about? The Experimental Baking Book is um, is about, take, you know, people have always been uh, afraid of, you know, experimenting, but they do it all the time with cooking. So the concept of this book is I said, well... Let me try to make it easy for people on how to create new stuff because baking is a form of, of science, chemistry. So, and then I try to help them out by, you know, helping them convert it over. And also, too, as well, it, science was one of my favorite subjects and in my studying. A lot of people are afraid to try something new. I have a, uh, a relative, I'll call it that. Uh, actually, it's my spouse. She loves to follow recipes and does a great job at that, but... When it comes to kind of uh, breaking loose and doing something that's maybe a little more creative, she's uh, a, a more intimidated than than uh, than most people who follow recipes. That's who this book is directed toward. Is that correct? Correct. It's from uh, the target audience for this book is from young adult all the way up to adult, from beginner bakers all the way up to experts, and to where it kind of hits a broad band of. Uh, you know, it makes it easy on people just when it comes to, you know, baking. It's because, like you said, is baking can be scary in some size or fashion. Yeah, your book is a, a relatively short book, just a little over 60 pages. Did you include in there recipes or did you include concepts? Describe for my listeners the style of book that you have written and how long it took you to complete it. Well, the style of the book is uh, it's full color. It has a mixture of recipes kind of some insights. It has uh, some tables at the end, baking tables that have like emergency substitution, conversion, liquid like liquid volume conversion, um, as well as uh, measurement scales for production level and abbreviation tables. So I kind of throw in some of the useful tips in there that most people always wanted to know like, okay, what's this? What makes a what makes a pound? Two cups make a pound, and that starts you out in the production scale. And it also is a full color. It's, um, it has a mixture of, like, a little over 25-some recipes in there. And full color uh, pictures in there, too, as well. The concept of the book, it kind of wasn't done over, like, an overnight like most books are. It was kind of an afterthought at first. It's just something that stuck in my head for a while, and I kept thinking about it. And uh, as a quote from Bruce Lee that's in my book, as he likes to say, it, um, if you spend too much time thinking about a thing, you never get it done. 
and that's how this book was. It's, you know, I kept thinking about it, said, oh, yeah, it'd be a good base. Had, uh, you know, friends and family tell me, oh, you should do a book. And I said, okay, sure enough. And, you know, then finally found Bruce's code and said, you know what? He's right. Got down, got it all done, um, spaced out between um, a year base around that ballpark because it kind of started off my sophomore, started back in 2000. I started taking one one cake uh, one cake recipe I saw. I was like, okay, I had too much uh, vodka in there. I said, well, let me see if I can cut that down into smaller measurements. Like I said, half a cup of vodka, maybe do like, say, a fourth a cup of chocolate liqueur and a fourth a cup of amaretto, like uh, like an almond liqueur. And sure mm-hmm. enough, I got like a different result and it just took it off from there. Actually, to, for my listeners, you're also involved as a uh, as a food service specialist in your industry as well, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a food service manager for the Brenham State Support Living Center in Brenham, Texas. And before that, I was a cook in caring associate for uh, St. Joseph Regional Hospital in Bryan, Texas. And then during my college years, I work at Pam Eason State University as a baker assistant, cook, shoe chef area for that. So I kind of made this book. It's kind of fell in my profession that I have chose. Sure. And would you call yourself more of a chef than a cook, or is is that a a misnomer or a uh, misdirected term for what you do? Well, when it comes down to chefs and cooks and everything, I personally like to look at myself as, you know, being a baker. But with chefs, they um, have the concept of they do everything, like from cooking, baking, sauteing, other two. So, I mean, chefs have that title base, and then you'll have, like, your cooks. You know, they do strictly the cooking part. Because if you actually go into the baking industry itself, it's its own profession because – you have your cake designers, your fondue, sculptors, everything. You know, it's, I would like to consider myself in the baking cabinet, you know, as sure. a baker, you know, and a dessert. The, the, the guy who actually gets something that you can eat and uh, probably are uh, comfortable with the results. Is is uh, the, the menu or the uh, concepts in your book, is this something a beginning uh, cook or recipe pursuer can really benefit from you mentioned liqueurs and other things uh, is there more in there than desserts uh yes sir there is a mixture of the books breaks down into five chapters the first section hits your breakfast and bread items so i have like from lager pear cakes to beer bread and then i kick into different uh bunk cakes starting off with one cake mix you know one cake and showing you how to add in different cakes results and then it goes into cookies it has the four basic cookies in there chocolate chip oatmeal peanut butter and sugar as well as cheesecake section and the cheesecake section is my personal favorite because i teach you how i take after dinner drinks which are alcohol beverages consumed after you eat like at restaurants like for example mudslide right show you how to take bartender recipes and put it actually inside a cheesecake so you can actually, instead of drink, your actually favorite afternoon drink, you can actually eat it ah, as well. And now do you have substitutes for and, for the alcohol uh, content, or is it uh, something that is a preferred way to, to make or deliver the cake? Well, with the cake base is, um, 
that with a different alcohol, most people, if you think about cake, alcohol cases, like most people know like rum balls, rum cakes and stuff. This book here takes it not just one form of alcohol, like one look, you know, like rum base, it expands the people horizon saying, hey, look, you know, it's, there's other liqueurs out there that you can use in the dessert base. You know, it's just fun to help give it extra flavor, extra moisture. And uh, a lot of the recipes in there, too, are easy. Um, I actually had a review done by uh, Pacific Book Review, and the reviewer said this. She said, was like, okay, I can either judge, you know, most baking books are, you know, designed by topography, photos. Yes. You know, the layout of the book. But she made it fair by trying my recipes in my book. And she said that it was, uh, as she likes to put it, dressed uh, delicious. <laughs> and uh, she said they're easy to follow, uh, made clear and sense, not really complex based. And uh, it's just, she's familiar too. It just adds that extra wildfire, extra wild factor to, uh, you know, your desserts to hyphen it up. Absolutely great. Now, is this something that you have completed and feel inspired that perhaps in the near future you may have a sequel to this uh, approach, the experimental baking, baking book? Actually, to where I already have a sequel in mind, if this book does go off and fans want to have a sequel to it, I do have a sequel in mind for it, and it's called, you know, the experimental baking book, Anything Goes is what the sequel is going to be. Phenomenal. It's, and that and the concept of that one is, since the experimental baking book teaches you the basic concepts, like it hits the basic category, in the sequel, no dessert is safe. Mm. It's, um, you know, from Rice Krispies, Cobblers, everything. I'll show you how to take any recipe dessert-wise, you know, and add some type of, you know, unique wow factor to the cakes just to help pies or whatever to help give it uh you know that extra wow factor right and would the uh, way to describe your book as taking the complex in baking and making it simple especially in the dessert category would that be a way to kind of synopsize what you've done yes sir um because it it just you know because baking can be you know tough you know and hard to do a few times it you know, and this what this book does, it takes, you know, and the thing is, too, baking can get expensive base and everything, too, as well. So with this book, the experimental baking book, it also has to make it easier on people because I do from homemade recipes to where you even use cake mixes. So really? you have a mixture between both of using, because not a lot of everyone wants to take the time and do like a full chocolate chip cookie recipe. There's people that do but some people are not. So I have recipes in here that take from using, like, say, a chocolate cake mix, uh, instant jello pudding, oil, eggs, and, like, fourth a cup of, like, two different liqueurs in there, and that's it. So simple, basic, and easy for, for people that, you know. It's just a good variety of recipes because not everyone, you know, it's because it's always good to know the homemade version of it. But there's always some people want to know, oh, is there quicker ways or is there less a cost ways of doing it, too, as well, just to make it more interesting and exciting. Sure. And and also with this basic concepts that you have uh, portrayed in your book, they can 
perhaps experiment on their own. That's the encouragement of the uh, title, the Experimental Baking Book. They don't have to follow your recipe necessarily. They can take the concepts and develop their own. Correct. And uh, you're correct on that. That's the actual whole concept of the book is, you know, it's because, like you, like, you know, stated earlier, it's, you know, baking can be scary. You know, they always want to add that one thing to, like, say, they have their, they've inherited their grandmother's pecan recipe. Right. But they want to add something else to it just to kind of give a look to the own, just to make it more wow, but they're afraid don't know how to do so. Yep. And that's where my book comes in to help them to get used to substituting out ingredients and adding stuff to it so where they can, you know, follow them and pursue their own ideas in a recipe. No, just to help break that ice because it, and also too, with this book, Area 2, every recipe that's in my experimenting book, I have tested several times living up to the science expectation. I've got the same results over and over and over again in, in each of the recipes. Because I make sure that, okay, people are going to be looking at my book, testing my recipes and everything. I have to make sure that they will be right. And I've had a few friends and family members try out the recipes, and they've actually came out with, uh, you know, the exact same results. Excellent. Well, this is a, this is a great encouragement for those who might be a little intimidated by the idea of cooking or being a chef. The title of the book, again, is The Experimental Baking Book, and my author, Justin Wyan. Where can we get a copy of your book? Right now, it's, uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon.com. Um, underneath the title, The Experimental Baking Book, they have paper and e-copy. And on Barnes & Noble's website, um, you can get it there underneath the Experimental Baking Book. I'm in the process right now of getting into bookstores right now. But the main areas right now is Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. They can also do a search under your name, Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, and Wyan, W-E-Y-A-N-D. And uh, they'll be able to locate this book and anything you uh, produce in the future. So thank you for sharing your background and your story. All right. Thank you. I appreciate being on the show. My pleasure. For Ex Libris on Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. 
Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Magical Miracle Mountain, and my author who joins me from Hawaii is Sarah Burgess. Welcome to the program. Thank you. This is a, a fascinating book. It's a, you know, I, I guess by looking at it, uh, the best way to describe it is it is a sketchbook with some dialogue. And uh, for my listeners, describe for me how this book got written and uh, who your audience is. Well, how it got written was that I was taking a course in book design, and the assignment was to write a book. And so I did. And I then went on many other journeys and so on, and ultimately I came to Hawaii and brought boxes of this and that. And in it was this book. The book was totally complete, though not published. It was just a class assignment. And uh, so, anyway, that's that's how uh, it got here. Sure. I, I, and, I will mention uh, to my listeners, you have a, a, a marvelous history as an educator. Uh, you've taught or been an influence in teaching all the way to China and uh, in Hawaii, of course, and uh, you grew up in Idaho. Uh, you are now in Hawaii in a uh, guest, not doing much teaching other than what you're writing. That's true. Uh, but I'm a uh, committed teacher and annoy my friends by uh, taking you know, giving them suggestions and other interesting things <laughs> of what they should do. Well, that's a, so, that's a good assignment. Uh, it's an unpaid and I think perhaps unwelcome <laughs> activity of mine. You have a, a fascinating history also on the back of your book, and you did mention that your mother has since passed away, but she was uh, 107 when this book was released, 107 years old when this book was released. That's, that's true. That, is that longevity? Does it run in your family, or is this just one of those unique things about your mom? Well, I think it was one of those unique things about my mom. Uh, she was famous here. Uh, she was called the oldest Democrat in the state <laughs> and also the oldest person in the state uh, and had a very, uh, very happy time here. And partly, I would say that, well, people give me a lot of credit about taking care of my mother. I never felt that that was any kind of a burden, but uh, in my long, rather complicated career, I became uh, some time ago a nursing home ombudsman for the federal government. Mm. It was at a time when there were many terrible circumstances for people that got stuck and forgotten by their family in nursing homes that were set up to make money rather than really take care of people. And uh, I knew enough about it to say to my mother, I don't care what you want, you're not going to a nursing home, mm. period. Yes. And uh, I knew that Hawaii has a very strong belief that older people should be well-treated, and they're given a lot of respect. And if they were like my mother, who was uh, an interesting, very good-looking person, in fact... <laughs> Um, a friend of mine did a, a portrait of her, a painting of her. It happened to be in a bubble bath, and she oh, really? was uh, 
a little bit Victorian about such things and felt a little uncomfortable, especially because the the, the artist called it, well, it, it was like she was a real charming person and she was kind of a man, not a man killer exactly, but she was known uh, to be careful because she was so alluring. <laughs> oh, my. Well, that's a history that certainly uh, must present some wonderful stories. But we're here to talk about Magical Miracle Mountain primarily. Okay. And I want to find out a little of the story. I, I've read your book. It's 24 pages, so it's an easy read. Did you also do the sketches in your book? Yes. That was part of the assignment. Now, what is the Magical Miracle Mountain? I had read somewhere that you uh, didn't really feel like this or didn't write this book just to appeal to children, but had a broader audience in mind. Yes. Um, well, I'm a person that takes up causes, and some time ago uh, I decided that um, I would think about what was important and and how people in a sense, we're divided by choosing to be constructive or destructive. And I know that for children and lots of other people that destructive activities are very captivating. And uh, if I don't know if you're listening to the the uh, politics right now, but there's a lot not of destructive to, yes, <laughs> activities in that that people are fascinated by. And so, anyway, the story is about a creature whose main goal in life is to create disasters. And he was so busy and going everywhere, creating all the major catastrophes of the world. And he got tired one day and found himself in a dump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, it was, you know, old shoes and all kinds of things that had been thrown away. And he he was also just basically angry and ill-tempered and was throwing things all over the place. And in time, he threw so many things around, so much trash, so many uh, discarded things, that it became a rather large mountain. And... Um, the Boy Scouts made a, a trail to it, um, and he became rather famous and even uh, found that it was it was nice to be an important person for something that uh, he had just done and maybe had a little bit of guilt about his uh, past disasters. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, the, the point was that uh, it's fun to be creative and constructive, and you get very good rewards that you wouldn't get for being destructive and uh, just making life miserable for people. Yes. So, so it was an encouragement that that it's it's more to the advantage of a person to be constructive than destructive. It, it, it's a good way to be, but it's also more enjoyable. <laughs> and uh, the the mountain attracted birds, and and uh, and lots of people came to see it. So this this uh, 
destructive person became famous and accomplished what he probably wanted, which was a lot of respect and and was able to do it with a mountain, a beautiful mountain with birds and flowers and trees and so on. Um, so my my uh, I guess goal, my opinion was that I would try to make it beneficial to be constructive. <laughs> To the the person involved. Well, that's that's a good goal, and and the underlying message, of course, is to to be constructive in what you do. You have uh, you have a very uh, fascinating uh, history and a uh, resume that probably is longer than twenty four pages. I mean, if I were to read it, it's really <laughs> really involved. How did you get involved with with uh, education in China? That part caught my attention. Well. Um, I was teaching at that time for San Francisco State University, and they had made an arrangement with the Chinese government to send a group of people to learn, I guess, America's secrets Mm -hmm. in the School of Business where I was teaching. And they arrived, and (laughs) uh, they were trained to get along in America in a rather odd way, which was they all learned how to drive really big trucks. Really? <laughs> and they they uh, just didn't know that that not everybody is driving a big truck. <laughs> uh, but they were they're very good at, at it, but it wasn't too practical. Oh. And uh, anyway... I was teaching a class for them in managerial communication, and um, we got along well. And I, I was, uh, I, I, I later sponsored a Chinese student to come to this to America to study, and and uh, we were quite friendly. I, I started a club, uh, and. They came to my house and we had barbecues and you know it was it was really fun and I in the process met another professor who was Chinese and he was very uh, interested in connecting me with the um, Chinese consulate and uh, I got acquainted with them and uh, we we had. A, you know, good relationship, and so uh, this same professor arranged for me to go teach in China wow. at four different universities, and he said he he would plan it out so that uh, I would have a really good tour of China and get to know the country, and, and that was the case. I taught at four different universities and, you know, had a, a very interesting time, and it was a uh, it was especially unusual because the university was the power of the university was the um not the principal or the president but the the person who was the communist oh my. leader and uh that person uh was very interested in america and um they, you know, they sort of t- 
tossed me on to different places. Mm-hmm. Probably no. kept an eye on you as well. I mean, you had yes, possible did. possible influence. You've had a fascinating yeah. fascinating history with all of your experience uh, in publishing Magical Miracle Mountain. Was there any challenges that uh, may have been something you hadn't expected in order to get this published? No, it it went very easily easy. Uh, I had essentially created a book for this class long before that was all done. It was, you know, it was completed, uh, and it was, in a way, easy to publish. Mm. And the publisher, um, in the meantime, had become involved with uh, New Age psychology. And he was uh, particularly interested in a program called the... the Ang- the sudden scream, the anguished dream, or something like that. Uh-huh. And this this particular kind of therapy was that people went into uh, some kind of room where the, there was no sound coming out and screamed. <laughs> and so, anyway, he was very caught up in that, and he was sort of the publisher, uh, and so the book turned out to have quite a lot of psychological information mm. <laughs> along with other things. Other implications from your book. You have uh, you have written other books. Are you planning to publish those as well? Uh, well, I'm working on one now uh, uh, in the process of it. And uh, because I took this course in book design, um, I, I felt you know, I I liked it. I I sort of liked my own work, <sighs> and it, it was you know it was easy in a way for the publisher because it was already done, and it had the sort of political impetus of the uh, the man who was very interested in the primal scream. <laughs> oh my! And so it's a sort of a funny textbook, but it was uh, it was. Uh, interesting because there were lots of pictures and I had my own theories about how um, you know how to make it interesting it wasn't just the story but there were lots of pictures of uh, current events and and political things that were going on. Well, that should be a fascinating read. You have uh, completed this one, and it's in the marketplace. The title, again, is Magical Miracle Mountain, 24 pages. Right. My author, Sarah Burgess, S-A-R-A, without the H. Sarah, where can we get copies of your book? Well, uh, as far as I know, only through Ex Libris. Uh, It was supposed to uh, be... Uh, presented at a book signing in Florida, and I had agreed to go to sign books, and also I think that the the publisher connected it with Amazon. Yes, and and maybe other companies. Yeah, they typically can do a search under your name S A R A Sarah Burgess B U R G E S S, or by the name of the book Magical Miracle Mountain, and they should be able to locate it online or request it at their local bookseller. Hopefully, you will get some traffic with this, and uh, we look forward to visiting with you in the future when something else comes off the presses uh, with your name attached to it. Thank you, Sarah, for joining me from Hawaii. 
Well, you're most welcome. So Come and visit. Uh, you'd be you'd have a good time here. I've been introduced to you by. Uh, I think the people from the publishing company that said that you were a lot of fun. I'm a fun guy, as they say, and I am sorry to hear that you're having a, a cold snap. Uh, it's dropped below 80 degrees there, and you have to put on sweaters. But uh, listen, that, happen, that happens <laughs> well, everywhere. Uh, we'll survive all that. Well. It's a beautiful, beautiful and interesting place. There are many cultures here, and if you enjoy variety, it's a good place to be. Sarah, enjoyed visiting with you. Thank you for being a part of today's program. Oh, it was my pleasure. Well, I look forward to hearing from you again. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Welcome back to Ex Libris. The title of the book, A Run of Luck, and the author is Wayne Overson, and Wayne joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Wayne. Hello there. How are you doing? Great to have you on the show. Uh, this kind of book where it comes out of your experiences in law enforcement, and you are a critic, uh, I'm sure a supporter of the law at the same time, sometimes because of the legal system, people who get charged didn't do it. And so uh, you have that, you have the dichotomy here, don't you? You want justice, but then sometimes prosecutors are rushing to win a case. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, in uh, in the year 20, 2013, there were 87 felons released, many of them murder cases, who were innocent. They were found innocent after sometimes more than 20 years in prison. <coughs> I, I've been, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, <coughs> I taught uh, criminal justice at Weber State University in, in Utah and studied a lot of uh, capital cases and uh, and those that were successful and those that were uh, some of them were released, and, uh, and uh, it just uh, just doesn't seem right because we could we could spend the money that it takes to uh, go through all the appeals and everything, and this is tax money that people pay, and uh, we could put it to much better use, I think, in crime prevention. That's my main idea, and I would I would much rather prefer to prevent it prevent a rape, prevent a murder, prevent felonies, rather than execute somebody. 
uh, just doesn't work out right in my mind. So this this plot, we're dealing with the main character, Corey Holvac. He's a young deputy sheriff. He got the man, and boy, everybody's proud of him, but he's not too sure he got the man. Well, there's uh, a lack of uh, what he considers uh, physical evidence. Uh, he has uh, eyewitnesses, and uh, believe me, I've and we all have, we've seen people who look like somebody we know and right. they're not and we could just you know they could just almost be twins or doubles but uh and uh, we can mistakenly identify certain people i've done this all my life you know just uh I'll, ever since i was a kid i used to do that uh get people mixed up well, and you speak from experience not only as a professor of criminal justice, you worked for the Utah Highway Patrol for several years. Yes, I, I spent six years uh, with the Utah Highway Patrol, and uh, in fact, uh, nearly all of that time I was uh, a college student myself, trying to trying to lead a double life there. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have this this. Um, murder that occurs at a convenience store in the middle of the night. It often happens because somebody's trying to steal some money and then ends up with people being shot and killed. Well, the uh, the robber uh, is not shot and killed. He, he uh, there's a couple of customers that come in and uh, they are uh, Two uh, reserve officers in civilian clothing, and they they see what's going on and yell at him, and then he starts shooting. He gets scared and just shoots. People shoot back and forth. The store clerk has a gun, and so forth, so forth, and uh, they end up killing two guys and injuring a third, and uh, and also the uh, young uh, expectant daughter of. Uh, the man who later tries to execute them, execute him himself uh, at the courthouse, and it's uh, it's a very uh, I don't know to me a, a disturbing uh, situation, but not not something that would be uh, totally uh, out of out of line with uh, a lot of things that are happening right now today. Right, it's based on, even though this is fiction at the same time, just based on all the different cases that you were aware of. And I think most of us, the way the story opens, and you have this father who is trying to get revenge. He can't take it. He hates the killer who took his young daughter, killed his daughter, as you just described, in in that holdup at that convenience store, and he thinks it's his right, his obligation to do this. Even if he has to go to prison, it's worth it. So he's out to kill, but is he going to kill the right person? Like I said, it was uh, right after he is convicted, right after uh, Marty is convicted and is being uh, escorted back to the jail. And he's uh, takes a shot at him, and he goes down. To the, uh, uh, Marty goes down, but he doesn't uh, doesn't die. So you, you're raising this this theme not just to have a good story. You've got concerns, and you're trying to 
help the readers learn something from your point of view. That's correct. Especially when it comes to conviction of alleged murderers, uh, obviously alleged of any crime, and uh, a caution even to jury members. One of my favorite uh, movies is called <clears throat> 12 Angry Men. I don't know if you've ever... Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I'm aware of that, yes. The leader, I uh, can't think of what his name is right now, uh, in the jury, he tries to get the others to think, you know, absolutely think instead of go through their, go by their emotions or what the lawyers are telling them. <clears throat> It's difficult to stay focused on the facts, on the evidence, when there's so much emotion, especially like a case like this. Yes, yes. Another aspect of the story is is uh, the prosecutor's assistant, uh, Eve Proctor, who is pretty much on the side of uh, finding more, you know, physical evidence. Uh, she's a great sounding board for. Uh, for Corey Hovack, they eventually work out um, a lot of lot of details, uh, physical evidence, and uh, <clears throat> she adds a great deal, I think, to the story as well. So, on his own time, this deputy sheriff, even though everybody thinks he got the right man, because he's not sure, he's trying to, as you've just pointed out, get the real evidence. This physical evidence that can prove without a shadow of a doubt. Exactly, yes. Which he, which he actually does in, in the story. But uh, And uh, anyway, the, uh, the conclusion of the story is that uh, the, the physical evidence is uh, very, very uh, much more convincing than eyewitnesses. Why is that? Why everybody think you know an eyewitness? Well, if an eyewitness saw it, it must be true. Well, like I said before, you know, you. In fact, I have a I have a cousin, and uh, whose uh, whose nephew, he and his nephew, are practically identical twins, and uh, and I have seen numerous uh, situations where, in fact, uh, one day I was. <laughs> I was in a uh, Walmart store, and, and uh, I thought I, <laughs> I thought I saw my daughter coming toward me, walking toward me. My daughter, who lived in California, and uh, boy, I was going to walk up and grab her, you know. And <laughs> 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 but it turned out she was a little bit uh, carrying a little bit more weight than my uh, than my daughter did, and I thought, no, whoa, I can't be her. <laughs> <laughs> somebody in a in a very emotional situation uh you would think that uh, it's going to be indelibly you know stuck in your mind what the face is like and everything but uh, actually it doesn't always work out that way and mistakes get made well we as americans want liberty and justice for all but often in the emotional moment we can jump to conclusions and and that probably happens more than we would like to know about. I think so, yes. A run of luck. We've been talking to Wayne Overson. He's the author. And, Wayne, what's the best way to get your book? 
Well, I uh, I would say uh, you go to uh, go to the Ex Libris uh, website, inquire there. Right, you go to you, the publisher Ex Libris, or you can go to any online retail store and and put in a Run of Luck by Wayne Overson, and you can order it that way as well. Or or try uh, <clears throat> just Google my name and, and all kinds of. Uh, uh, websites will you know, pop up with uh, with things about me and, and the book and so forth. Well, thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. Thank you for calling. Join Tim next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.